0: It's too hard to quit. And that's why our smoking rate is 35%. So we've got to keep working regardless of what it takes to reduce our smoking rate. So that within, you know, my tenure as director of public health, increasing life expectancy by five years, at least in the city of Cleveland, that's the goal.
1: This is Prognosis Ohio. I'm Dan Skinner, and that was Dr. David Margolius, director of public health for the mighty city of Cleveland, Ohio. As you may have read in the news, attempts to ban menthol cigarettes are stalled on the federal level. Public health advocates had hoped that the Biden administration would take this important step this year, but it's being pushed to at least next year. And with the presidential election all but assured to complicate bold public health measures, it's not clear when we're gonna see action again. Here in Ohio, as I discussed with Dr. Margolius, we've seen strong action in some cities, such as Columbus, but efforts in Cleveland remain elusive amongst rancorous city politics and pressure from industry and other groups. All of this is taking place, moreover, under a threat of the state legislature moving to preempt local attempts to ban menthols or really to regulate tobacco at all. As we've talked about on this show a number of times, including recently when we talked about Washington Post reporting about life expectancy in Ohio, Ohio, and especially pockets like Cleveland, are off the charts in our smoking levels compared to other states and regions. Once again, our state legislature, which has been captured by industry that gleefully profits from the poor health and even death of Ohioans, is making the work of public health even more difficult than it needs to be or should be. I talked with Dr. Margolius on a snowy day in his office in downtown Cleveland about his efforts to get Cleveland legislators to see the light on flavored tobacco, what he thinks is behind the extremely high levels of smoking in Cleveland, the debate itself, which includes a frank conversation about disagreements within the black community and among key groups about the racial element of flavored tobacco bans, including menthol bans. And we approach this with an acknowledgement that black neighborhoods have long been targets of a racist tobacco industry. And finally, I asked Dr. Margolius to talk a little bit about how he thinks the flavored tobacco question fits into larger public health conversations we're having here in Ohio. Okay, here's my conversation with Dr. David Margolius. I want to kind of set the stage by asking you for your overall impression of where we are. And I know we're here in Cleveland, and that's your your jurisdiction. So, you know, but in Ohio, in Cleveland, like, how do you think about what we've gained and the work ahead still?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start just by by saying, so I I got sworn in as director of public health August 2022. So a little bit over a year ago. And when I think about the role of, of public health or the challenges that are in front of us, it's, it's really about quality of life and life expectancy for residents in the city of Cleveland. And we know that the life expectancy in the city of Cleveland is much worse than life expectancy even a mile away in the inner ring suburbs. It's like the mid 60s compared to the you know, high 80s. And the number one cause of death, the number one preventable cause of death in in Cleveland and the rest of the country is smoking. Cleveland's smoking rate is 35%. 35% of of adults in the city of Cleveland have used a cigarette in the last 30 days. The national average now is 11%. That's down from 20% 20 years ago. And at same time, Cleveland's rate has gone from 30% to 35%. And so Cleveland is uniquely this this terribly high smoking rate. Um, And folks will ask why. Part of that is is being in Ohio and the the policies that that you referenced and in, in terms of tax policies and just the ease of, of buying cigarettes. And then the second part is in Cleveland in particular has been targeted by big tobacco, by the tobacco companies. When advertising on television and radio became illegal in 1970, smoking rate across the country has really declined since then. So, big tobacco had to find new customers, and their new customers that they looked for were uh, black residents in urban uh, environments, like like Cleveland. They really focused on poverty markets. So, you know, recruiting people and kind of you know most stressful environments, and and youth. And so they marketed flavored products, particularly towards towards residents of Cleveland. If you look at the 1997 uh, Master Settlement Agreement, all those documents are now available, and they talk about, it. they say they, they're going to Cleveland, they're gonna hand out menthol cigarettes on the corners for free. Get folks hooked to uh, nicotine, and and then you know continue to sell, and then that would be their customer base. So that's why Cleveland's smoking rate has just gone up, and the rest of the country's smoking rate has gone down. And we've got to fight back. We've got to do something about it. So
1: you're currently attempting to ban flavored tobacco here in Cleveland, and that's one of the big conversations, right? Can you tell me a little bit about the role that flavored tobacco specifically plays in all of this and the broader public health conversation? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, when the tobacco companies you know, started to see their, their rates of smokers decline across the country, um, they also recognized that. Uh, Flavored products were the key to unlocking new customers. And so back in the 1960s, just 5% of of black people who smoked smoked menthol cigarettes. Today, that number is nearly 90%. And that was all very intentional marketing through sponsoring black music events through sponsoring black media that were which weren't getting other sponsors. And so, tobacco companies kind of stepped into to, to that place to to be able to support that, and uh, unfortunately, really target a uh, demographic. Um, and then the second part is the flavors attract kids. So, with the vape products, there are flavors like cotton candy and bubble gum, and you know tropical splash, and all these different flavors. Those products aren't being used to help people quit smoking and transition to vapes, they're really being used to attract new customers. I mean, that's why they're invented. So that's the unique angle of flavors, and that's why we're specifically targeting flavors.
1: Yeah, when you talk about flavors like that, it's, it's transparent what's happening.
0: Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if you look at schools in Cleveland, 76% of schools in Cleveland have a tobacco retailer, a convenience store that sells tobacco products or vape products within 1,000 feet, which is two blocks. Right. So again, no secret why it's targeted absolutely not, and so a number of jurisdictions all over the country, including a couple of states and countries uh, you know other other places in the world, have ended the sale of flavored products through local policy through policy public health policy, and so city of Columbus, for example, City of Columbus passed theirs, which should go into effect January first, the entire country of Canada, entire state of California, Massachusetts, and a number of other states are looking at it too. And so, you know, when when we saw this extremely high smoking rate that is taking the lives of so many Clevelanders, particularly black Clevelanders, we knew we needed to act, and we connected with this uh, national organization, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, who had already implemented this best practice policy in a number of jurisdictions, and uh, seen remarkable success, 20% reductions in, in smoking rates from this policy. So we... Worked to get the policy introduced that would end the sale of flavored tobacco products and vape products in the in the city of Cleveland, and uh, now we're working on convincing city council to uh, come around to the idea of it, number one, and number two, unfortunately, now the state of Ohio, the, the Republicans in the state legislature are working to get enough votes to make it illegal for any local jurisdiction to do to local tobacco policy.
1: So let's start with the first of those kind of thorny problems here, barriers, uh, the political hurdles here in Cleveland. Um, you know, there have been a bunch of examples of the mayor's office pushing initiatives and then kind of facing some roadblocks at council. And in some ways, this is politically useful, right? I mean, you can say council is not acting or whatever, and but we want to actually address this issue. Right. So we're looking for outcomes. Um you know, I I guess, you know, how is the mayor and how are you working to have this conversation with council? I mean, what kind of uh, tools or conversations are you bringing to bear to get through some of the the resistance there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. There are 17 council members. Uh, They all have different perspectives, different experience. They represent um, different people within Cleveland. And, you know, when you meet with them and hear from them and go to their community meetings. So the council folks, the people in their meetings are really the residents in their meetings are, are hyper-focused on city services. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you doing about the groundhogs? What are you doing about the potholes? What are you doing about leaf pickup or, or plowing the streets? Um,
1: does it mean that public health doesn't get seen as one of those things?
0: Well, it's not, and it's not just public health. It's uh, you know a lot of the work that we're trying to do as an administration is citywide, big picture policy that will help not only catch us up to what other peer cities are doing across the country, but will put us ahead. You mm-hmm. know, will we'll have us people looking to us uh, for best practices. Um, but unfortunately, those those big ideas just aren't. I, I think you know, right in front of the the council people to be able to to champion, and so a lot of times we've created this tension where the mayor, the administration is championing it, and city council is feeling like, all right, well, how do we you know, how do we catch up with this and how do we support something that's clearly a mayor thing? And so, mm-hmm. um, I think it's complicated i I you know, spent a lot of time with a lot of council members who have personally been affected by smoking, either through them or or their relatives. And I think they're generally supportive of it, but they're worried about the the backlash that they'll get in, in championing something like this.
1: Backlash um, from what, like the tobacco from lobby? From tobacco retailers, yeah. absolutely, uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: yeah. Uh-huh. So when we introduced the legislation, I will say, you know, number one, this is back in February 2023, um, it, it caught a lot of folks by surprise. I think the, the overall community it, it had not been aware of how high our smoking rate was compared to other cities, compared to the rest of the country. And so it was like, why are you doing this? Why are you working on smoking and not uh, poverty? Why are you working on smoking and not gun violence and and all these other issues? Um, And the second thing was that tobacco lobbyists across the country are just so well-organized. And so what they do... In other jurisdictions and in cleveland when you introduce a policy like this is they get all the tobacco retailers together and they say just call 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 your council people just you know phone them into submission and we've seen this at the state level too where one of the the state representatives you know in the past couple weeks said you know the reason that i'm supporting a a law that would ban local uh control is because the lobbyists say we've never heard from them this often you know they're just calling and calling and calling and so You know, city council, the general community, just it it hadn't been on folks' radar, Mm. the the, the problem with smoking. And so, introducing legislation and all the news that came with it has helped to get it on folks' radar. We've then organized this mass education campaign, you know, across going to numerous community events, bus ads, billboards, radio ads, TV spots um, over the last uh, nine, you know, almost, almost a year, because it was been February. And so we're getting the word out. And, and my hope is that now city council folks have had a chance to hear about how detrimental smoking has been and specifically flavored products have been on the community that they're going to come around to this. I'm not giving up hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, listeners can't see. I have a kind of look of disbelief. I mean, it's amazing to me. I guess a big part of what you do as director is educating people, but to not know when you look at even the most basic health outcomes that smoking is this huge driver kind of blows my mind.
0: Yeah, although I mean, I will say that you know, I I when I first moved back to Cleveland from San Francisco in two thousand fifteen, it. Blew my mind as well that, you know, our smoking rate w- was this high. Um, I think many folks across our country, many of our peers, you know, assume that smoking was a problem of the past mm. after the 90s. You know, we've been there. We sued the, the we won, you know, uh, we 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 got the trillions of dollars, I think it was. So. Well, there's a whole other question about what we did with the, that money right, here in Ohio. Right, 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 right. Which we don't have time for today. Exactly. But, no, but that's was, there too. Right, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I think a lot of folks have soon, yeah, smoke, everybody knows smoking is bad, yeah. So anybody who smokes today, they know better, and that's their problem. And so, why should we be doing something about right. it? But of course, that's wrong because while we know smoking is bad, we also know that the tobacco companies spent four hundred and thirty million dollars per year, just in the state of Ohio. To promote their products, right, and their targeting
1: um, is extremely precision pointed.
0: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, to the point where you know it's 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 just become part of the culture for certain minority demographic groups, like like black folks who who smoke mm-hmm. menthol cigarettes, and assume, um, you know, in a lot of ways that they they don't have another choice. And so, um, yeah. this work has been an important community building, community engagement, coalition building, locally, statewide, and, and nationally to push back against these companies.
1: To come back to something you already raised, this this question of preemption, right? So there are rumblings that the state legislature might try to override Governor DeWine's uh, veto of local tobacco preemption, which for listeners who don't know is, is the state legislature's attempt to basically prohibit local municipalities like Cleveland from making their own decisions about a range of policy options, but tobacco is one of them. Preemption wouldn't only tie your hands in the current fight you're having, but could wipe out all local tobacco control ordinances. Uh, you know, possibly leaving only the state laws, which we know would be extremely limited if right. you know if there was any enforcement That's at all. Right. So. You know, my, my big question is, where is this push for preemption coming from, and what kind of conversations are you having about, you know, I mean, the, the, the way we frame this often is that the same people who often call for local government and local control seem to be the ones pushing for preemption, which is, um, you know, hypocrisy, It's clearly. But what's this about, in your view? Is this again just to come back to the power of the tobacco lobby and shutting it down?
0: Yeah. Well, it's not just you know tobacco lobby, as as you you mentioned. I mean, it's the gun lobby, it's big soda. You know, put put preemption. the plastic bag it's lobby. Plastic, right. Exactly. So it's just it's just about power yeah. and control, and it's it's extremely unfortunate. And the calling out the hypocrisy doesn't seem to be enough to influence or change their minds the republican legislatures who are in favor of this mm-hmm. um it's 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 been devastating i mean to work this hard on on building this coalition getting so close to as a local government being able to push back against these big tobacco companies um to help save lives in our community for you know the ohio republicans and the legislature to say you know what we don't think it's fair for a business to have to look up a local ordinance uh, for where you know their store is located to be able to determine what they can sell, that seems too confusing for them, and so we're gonna pass this law that makes that illegal. I mean, it's just
1: so this is yeah, this is simplifying things for business owners, which seems ludicrous.
0: But ludicrous, but, ludicrous, know. and and the idea that you know the business is this is you know we we are here to hurt businesses. Well, I mean, there are a number of businesses that make Cleveland residents less healthy. And we need to push back against that. And another example is out-of-town landlords that rent out apartments that they know can poison children with lead you know we want to make that illegal yeah. and so we don't support that business we would support a business that you know helps make affordable and safe housing right we want to support a business that sells safe and healthy products not a business that that's killing communities in the city of cleveland
1: so when you or when mayor bib or somebody reaches out to some of these legislators that are pushing this i mean do they take your call or do they just kind of say look like no or i mean is there a principled argument in there somewhere or is it just, um, you know, we don't want local municipalities to have this, this authority.
0: I, you know, mayor Bibb would, would be able to speak better to that, that than me. But, I, you know, I know with my conversations that it just, it, it, they seem pretty dug in. Yeah. yeah. Which is unfortunate. Um, and I think you try to appeal to heart because everybody has had an experience um, uh, losing someone they love, a family member, or a friend to, to smoking related illness. And so, you try and appeal to that and you don't give up, and we can't give up.
1: I want to turn to this question of health equity. You kind of pointed to it a little bit already. You know, we've made good progress, I think, in some ways, reducing overall tobacco use in Ohio, but the progress has really been unequal. And right. here we are in Cleveland, where that inequality is really uh, acute, leading to these kind of health inequities that are pervasive. How do you decide what to prioritize in terms of tobacco regulation and when to make a push for new ordinances? And I guess where where does equity fit into the the conversation and your thinking about it?
0: Sure. Yeah. No. Everything everything that we think about is based in equity because the challenges that you know keep us up at night are all from structural racism um, and systems of oppression that have created these wide and persistent wealth gaps between people who are white in our region and people who are black in our region. Those wealth gaps combined with systems of segregation like redlining have allowed neighborhoods where predominantly black people live to not receive investments that white neighborhoods have over time. And because of that lack of investment, those neighborhoods are taking lives from people. And it's smoking, it's lead poisoning, it's drug overdoses, it's gun violence, it's traffic fatalities and it's black infant mortality are really the six things that keep me up at night um, that that cause these huge life expectancy. Disparities that that we're talking about.
1: So so some groups, like um, you know, especially those that seem to have taken industry money, like Al Sharpton's National Action Network, have suggested that menthol bans specifically would harm Black communities. Others, like the NAACP, are are strongly supportive, right? right. So, so you know, the main concern seems to be over policing in communities of color. If we're going to actually put a ban into place. How do these issues come up in Cleveland, and what kind of conversations do you have, especially with those leaders and communities of color, about where where the city should land on this question?
0: Yeah, well, I you know I think fortunately the the conversation around um, the Al Sharpton point of we can't. And the sale of menthol cigarettes because that would cause over-policing of black residents, which would cause more loss of life for black residents Mm -hmm. compared to the loss of life for menthol cigarettes, which, you know, obviously is a million to one, probably. That hasn't come up as much in, in Cleveland. And I think part of that is that this movement in Cleveland, has been led by the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition locally. Uh, Nationally, the African American Tobacco Leadership Council has been just huge in terms of uh, uh, leading this movement to end the sale of, of menthol cigarettes. Unfortunately, when every other flavor of cigarettes specifically were banned in 2009, they cut out an exception for menthol cigarettes mm-hmm. and so in any other flavor for any other demographic it was already banned it was just black people who were left to suffer and die from increasingly high smoking rates and so i would hope that the points of opposition are just falling on more and more deaf ears because uh, we've you know we've we've talked through all that the number one cause of death for black americans is smoking end of story and so we can do something about that
1: right and it seems like you can have that conversation directly with community members and and get to the heart of it uh, aside from that kind of
0: absolutely yeah. absolutely you know and i recognize i'm a white man and so i'm not always the the best messenger for that and so i come as part of a, a much larger and growing coalition of of folks who are uh You know, can speak from every single perspective and experience.
1: To turn to one of the kind of obvious questions out there in the ether these days, with issue two now passed, yes. Uh, Even though there are quite a few controversial conversations happening in Columbus, there's still the question of cannabis, kind of linked up with the conversation we're having today, right? So. As a public health director, how do you justify pushing to limit tobacco use at the same time cannabis use is being legalized? Does this put you in a difficult position? And for listeners, you know, the co-use of cannabis and tobacco, like blunt use, right, has been an issue in Cleveland for years. And there's some research uh, indicating that flavor tobacco, uh, like a ban on flavor tobacco may actually reduce this co-use. So these things are closely related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How have you navigated this new terrain and, the, and are you involved in any of these conversations around, you know, THC levels or any of the things that are being discussed in uh, in Columbus?
0: Sure. So I'm not involved in, in the conversations in Columbus, um, but I can proudly say that I voted in favor of issue two criminalization of marijuana was a failed policy has been a failed policy that disproportionately negatively impacts black and brown communities Mm -hmm. in Cleveland and elsewhere. And so if criminalizing marijuana is, is not the answer then regulating marijuana is the answer. And so likewise, With cigarettes and flavored tobacco products and flavored vape products, criminalizing possession of those products would be a failed policy. But regulating those deathly ingredients, you know, the number one cause of death, regulating it has to happen. And so what we're proposing is a regulation of tobacco and vape products. Mm -hmm. We're not criminalizing police. Safety forces aren't involved. It's health inspectors going into stores that sell tobacco products and making sure that the products that they sell are the least deadly products. And
1: there'd be civil penalties for that? Not This is not criminal...
0: Correct. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fines. And, uh, you know, there's escalating levels of fines, essentially, uh, involved with it. And uh, it's not legislation yet. And so anything can change where we can put in specific amendments that say, no, seriously, police are not involved with this. This is just about health inspectors. And so it's the same thing we do with restaurants, right? We make sure that restaurants are not selling food that poisons people. And so why not let us regulate tobacco retailers to get the stuff off the shelf that's specifically marketed towards children
1: right so in in a way you're being a classic public health person here and just saying look we're just looking after the public health consequences of these policies that are in place that's
0: right that's right so alcohol is regulated marijuana will be regulated a lot of folks assume that tobacco and vape products are long regulated well they're not and they haven't been and so we, we plan to start that
1: and, and finally, you know, here in your nice office with a nice view, um, that I've enjoyed being here. Uh, I don't see a crystal ball anywhere, so there, that's not um, going to help us too much. But what do you see? I want to get you to talk a little bit about the end game here for tobacco regulation. I mean, if you were to make a guess, you know, down the line, a decade from now, whatever, sure. what, what does it look like to succeed and and Will we be able to succeed in a ten year or twenty year window? i mean is this is this an issue that has momentum or kind of inertia to it, or is it just pushing a big rock up a big hill?
0: Well, yeah, yes and yes, but i I, I think you know I don't we can't fail. We have to succeed Cleveland's smoking rate of thirty five percent our life expectancy in the mid sixties. It's completely unacceptable. It's embarrassing as a physician in Cleveland, you know, who used to work in the healthcare system here. It's embarrassing as a director of public health. We we cannot say, oh, well, people are gonna die in Cleveland until we fix poverty, or until we fix every system of oppression. We've got to keep working on this until people are living longer in Cleveland and people have the, the chance to be their healthiest selves. And so regardless of what the state does, regardless of what city council decides to do, we're going to keep working to help people quit smoking and so that our smoking rate goes down. Most people who smoke cigarettes want to quit. It's just so hard. If you know anybody who used to smoke, I mean, they still want to grab a cigarette and, and take a drag, right? Even years after they quit. And so when there are 600 tobacco retailers in the city of Cleveland, one for every 600 people, when there are flavored products all over the shelves, you know, right by the cash registers and advertisements all over the buildings.
1: In very close proximity to schools, as, as you
0: noted. 76%, right? Within a thousand feet, two blocks of a school. It's just it's too hard to quit. And that's why our smoking rate is 35%. So we've got to keep working regardless of what it takes to reduce our smoking rate. So that within, you know, my 10 years director of public health, increasing life expectancy by five years, at least in the city of Cleveland. That's the goal.
1: Well, thanks for the work you're doing on this. Dr. David Margolius. Thanks for having me here. And I really enjoyed this conversation.
0: Thank you for being here. Come back anytime.
1: This episode was produced by me dan skinner i received social media and production support from nathaniel prognosis ohio is a member of the wcbe podcast experience and the health podcast network as always be in touch if you have ideas for guests or topics or ways we can improve the show please consider chipping in a few bucks to our patreon site which is linked from prognosisohio.com even if you aren't able to do that Please just give us a nice rating in your podcast app or tell your friends about us. That's free to do, and it really helps. Okay, be well, and thanks for listening.